Hello once again. Welcome back to Vox Pop, WAMC's live afternoon call-in talk show. I'm Ray Graff. Do you have a website? Are you an avid blogger? Do you tweet? What's the cloud? Well, there's a lot to establish a web presence for yourself or on your business, and there is a lot to know about privacy and security. Cliff Road is here to help you make sense of it all. Cliff is owner of Goat Cloud Communication. He's passionate about the intersection of communications and technology and helps many different types of businesses, nonprofits, and individuals to thrive online. He's been deploying technology strategically to advance real-world goals since, wow, since the late 1980s. He built his first website in 1996. Cliff's specialties include messaging, web design, and deployment, technology coaching, online advertising, and measuring results. Now, a disclaimer here. This is not really, sometimes we'll do a technical computer show where you have, ah, my hard drive is failing, you call up. Not one of those. This is not really a technical uh, computer functioning program. We'll do those once in a while. But this is Cliff Rohde. He's been here before. And uh, Cliff, welcome back to the show. Well, Ray, thank you so much for having me. You know, I think last time there was snow on the ground. I think since then we've had uh, spring, summer, and now maybe we're back to fall. All right. Well, you know what? I'll take it. Fall is lovely. Uh, The number to call is 1-800-348-2551. 1-800-348-2551. You can also comment on Facebook. Go to our Vox Pop uh, wall post on our Facebook page, WAMC Radio. You could tweet us at WAMC Radio. Just use the hashtag Vox Pop. Or you can email us, voxpop at wamc.org. But again, the number to call is 1-800-348-2551. So, you know, I, I joked about the 1980s. But the technology of the 19 I mean, I wrote, I was a commercial copywriter in the 1980s. I thought I was pretty swift. I had a, I had a word processor. Nice. Things have changed. <laughs> and, and now so much is on, online. And, and everything, the cloud, and everything is... Online, And so I thought we would start today and talk a little bit about the basics of keeping what's left of your privacy and your security secure. Yeah, that's a terrific question. Um, We walk around now every day with this little computer in our pocket that not only provides us so much convenience, ease of use, the ability to do things, you know, we before actually had to go someplace to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, it is tracking our every move. And, uh, you know, there's some real, I think, issues uh, surrounding that that uh, should give people a little bit of a pause and think about it and um, think about what it is that they want to be letting the world know about themselves. Well, just for one, and, you know, I, I go nowhere but work and home, basically. The, the, this whole no, notion of tracking your location yeah. drives me crazy. And I guess it, it's helpful at times, but that's one way. Somebody who wants to can find out where you are all the time. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember, Ray, a couple of years ago, Google was sending out their uh, cameras with the cars on Oh, yeah. Right, for Google Maps. And they got into a little bit of trouble because it turned out, you know, not only are they getting information about addresses, um, but they're getting information about Wi-Fi spots, and they were accidentally capturing passwords and things like that. Yeah. And so how how does one – what's the one cardinal rule – the first step one should do to take to guard your what's left of your privacy. What do you do? What's the f- most important thing you can do? Well, assuming that it's not turning off all of your devices. Which is what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's probably being aware of, um, 
you know, the, the, the possibilities out there about what people, or I shouldn't say people, what, but it, it is individuals too, what governments can do, what corporations can do to track you, being aware of that, and then being aware of, you know, steps that you can take um, to, I don't want to say thwart, but maybe can divulge your identity and what you're doing when you want to. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of depends on the type of issue you're talking about. Are you talking about the use of your... A smartphone, or are you talking about using a computer at home? Because there are really different steps depending on kind of what you're trying to do. Um, well, you know, it's easy to get paranoid. I, I think in, in this day and age where there are so many tentacles out there and you don't know who's out there looking at what you have, you know, your, your address, your bank account, everything else, right. there's a lot of reason to be paranoid. Oh, it could be the government. It could be a corporation. It could be your 15-year-old neighbor. Yeah, right? yeah. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-348-2551. Cliff Rohde of Goat Cloud Communication with us today. Lou in Little Falls, you're first. Lou. Hi. So I'm also worried about uh, hackers and spyware uh, uh, hacking problems. I had an original iPad for five years, never had any concern with it. Now I've just purchased a Samsung tablet. Does that change? Do it because I've always been told Apple... Uh, never had a problem with hacking. Uh, does that change now that I have a Samsung product? That's a great question. Um, my personal feeling uh, is that it really doesn't change at all that much. Um, Apple has sold a lot of products, it turns out, um, since uh, you know a few years ago, and so they are a popular target as well, um, just as the Android operating system is. Um, you know, you read that there are kind of more people going after Android. Android is the operating system that a Samsung a Samsung tablet would use, and uh, it, it's the biggest uh, uh, mobile operating system that's out there. And so, you know, generally the bad guys, you know, I was going to make a joke before we say, you know, death and taxes are, are, are a certainty in life. Well, there's also a certainty, I think, that bad guys are going to go after people who are just kind of um, trusting Easy or, or targets. Easy targets. Always go for the path of least re resistance. Yeah, so because uh, Android is the biggest operating system out there for mobile devices, the bad guys are going to, you know, go after that first and foremost. Um, you know, there are some issues, too, in terms of uh, uh, Apple is a relatively closed environment, whereas, you know, where they build the devices, they build the operating system, et cetera, whereas the Android operating system is open source software. There are many manufacturers. There are different flavors and versions that are out there. Um, you know, any of those uh, particular attributes can provide points of vulnerability. Now, you know, it's funny. Louis, do you have a follow-up? Well, just uh, so what do you suggest I do? I've never had to concern myself with buying any uh, safety products. Now you're suggesting that I sh should go out there and, uh, and, and have something installed in this tablet? Well, there's plenty of software out there. Uh, first, you definitely would want to have some kind of antiviral software on your tablet. I would definitely recommend that. Um, I don't know if this is a tablet that connects just via Wi-Fi or does it connect via the phone network? Just Wi-Fi. Okay. So, you know, there are steps you can take if you're going to be using Wi-Fi networks, too. That's a separate issue. Um, but you might want to get some what's called a VPN or virtual private network software that's available that will allow you to have a relatively secure connection should you go to your local coffee shop or airport and want to connect via Wi-Fi. Mm. All right. Lou, thanks okay. a lot for the call. We appreciate it. You know, you mentioned open source, Cliff Rohde. And... I always wondered about open source. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? In other words, 
anybody who wants to develop something, and there have been many, many, many great developments that outside third parties have developed using open source architecture. But doesn't that also say, here it is, all you bad guys, this is, it, it's open. Do, do your worst. Right. Well, I, I think there's, yeah, there's something to that except I, I think that when you have open source software, um, and I'm, I'm a big believer in it, so I, I you know I'm one of the converted, um, you have many more people looking at that, that piece of software and many more opportunities to find flaws and correct flaws as well. And so, you know, I, I'm struck by uh, recalling the uh, movie that came out recently about Alan Turing, right, and cracking the... Yeah. Uh, code the German code the in Enigma World War II. Right. Yeah, right. That was uh, the German system was a closed system, and uh, here you got some great hackers in Great Britain who figured out how to crack the code. And yeah. so, just because it's a closed proprietary system doesn't mean it's not at risk. All right, I'll buy it. Number to call here is one eight hundred three four eight two five five one. We're joined by Cliff Rohde of Goat Cloud Communications, and we're going to go over to line number two. No, number two. <laughs> All right, Colleen. Uh, Colleen is our call screener. So, uh, the the but the open source is not something that exists in the Apple milieu. Is that correct? Uh, Apple, as far as I know, yeah, is a pretty closed system. Yeah, and so, but but yet I hear from people. In fact, I had this conversation with an expert not too long ago. There are, in fact, it's it's a myth to say there aren't viruses and such that attack. Apple products. It is a myth, absolutely. Sure, I mean, anything that is built by humans is going to have flaws in it. Um, as much as we would like to believe that these engineers have everything figured out, not always the case. The uh, number to call here is 1-800-348-2551. We'll take a break here. We're joined by Cliff Rohde of Go Cloud Communication. We talk computing and privacy online today. We welcome your calls. We'll be back. for WAMT comes from the Henyon Bakery, Amherst. Since 1993, offering hearth-baked whole grain breads, pastries, birthday, wedding, and special occasion cakes, as well as gluten-free offerings. HenyonBakery.com. Manny's TV and Appliances, family-owned since 1977, now offering olive oil from his vineyards in Crete. Available at Atkins, River Valley Market, Randall's, Foster's, and Big Y Grocery Stores. Manny'sOliveOil.com. Empire State Youth Orchestra's ESYO 360 Festival Celebration Luncheon, Small Group Performances, the 360 Concert with ESYO Musicians and Alumni, this Sunday, Luncheon at 12 noon, Concert at 3 p.m., ESYO.org for more information. Northshire Bookstore, Manchester, Vermont, and Saratoga Springs, New York, an independent bookstore offering books, author events, gifts for children and adults, and more, Northshire.com. The Tang Teaching Museum and Art Gallery at Skidmore College, providing exhibits, public events, and educational programs for audiences of all ages for the Capital District and beyond. Skidmore.edu slash Tang. And Sheehy Opticians, Albany, New York, providing eyeglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams since 1953. S-H-E-E-H-Y opticians.com. 
It's Vox Pop on WAMC. Number to call is 1-800-348-2551. Ray Graff here, joined today by Cliff Rohde of Goat Cloud Communication. And, uh, you know, first line of defense in security and online privacy keeping would be the password. Well, humans are a lazy race, aren't they? Oh, indeed. Right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of people with a lot of really bad passwords. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some, some basic steps you can take, and uh, we are lazy, but, boy, is it really important to do. Um, you know, a lot of times when you get an online account, you're asked for a username and a password. Well, it's not uncommon that people use not only the same username all over the place, but the same password as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. Right? And the second you do that, well, then as soon as somebody breaks it once, um, they've got it everywhere that you might be. And mm -hmm. believe me, if they find that they have a username-password combination, they're going to try the various mainstream places where you might have an account yep. and try to get in there. So. You know, first thing, have a different username. And don't use your plain name. Use a series of letters and numbers and characters. Um, yeah. With passwords, you should always have a different password um, across any, you know, all the different accounts. And you should always uh, maximize the number of characters you're allowed. And special characters and capitals and things like that that weren't so accommodated even 10 years ago, now most websites will let you do all sorts of stuff like that. Well, it's true, but unfortunately, a lot of times websites only allow you up to a certain number of characters, like maybe even 8 or 10, which is really few. Um, a lot of the, or the ways that, uh, you know, the bad guys really have their bad robots or their, their bad software programs yeah. that are going to try to crack soft or uh, passwords and they it's called a brute force attack and they just try every password under the sun but if you have a really long one then the um, you know the chance of them hitting your password grows exponentially right so the longer the better let's go back to the phones and Loretta in Newburgh Loretta you're on oh hi uh, my husband has recently asked for a divorce and I am not savvy in the uh, technology and he's been putting things into cloud. Is there a way a good investigator can find out if there is his money in the accounts? Because I don't have his passwords. I don't know his passwords. And I would hope that there was a way that the courts or the investigators could do so or could, could learn. Hmm. Well, that's a that's a pretty good question. I mean, in terms of hiding money out there, I, you know, I think the the law enforcement likes to go after people who actually are trying to hide money. Um, usually, it's uh, there are not great reasons behind someone trying to hide money. What I would say is make sure to uh, talk to your attorney and get them to make sure that your husband is disclosing everything he has, regardless of where it is. So, an attorney is definitely required to be involved. Uh, I think I, I don't know yet. Well, I mean, that's a alas, that's a different show, Loretta. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. I, there there are certainly ways that uh, an attorney or a detective or a law enforcement can can find out that stuff. But uh, you you need to consult cloud. attorneys. And even cloud, even at the cloud, or at, you know, like well, the Cayman Islands of today. Ah, uh, well, I mean, but yeah, but if if it's in a bank, theoretically, it's somewhere that's in a a real place so okay, hey good luck with, good luck with that loretta we appreciate the call let's go over to michael in albany michael you're on hi um my wife and i recently had a baby and the uh pictures and videos are mounting up fast and so we're looking for advice on 
how to best uh, store large numbers of, you know, important family photos and videos cheaply and so they're easily accessible, but most importantly, safely. Okay, good question. Yeah, that is a great question. So, you know, the last caller was talking about the cloud, and I'm thinking that a cloud solution might work here. Um, you know, although certainly privacy and security issues come up there, remember uh, a few months ago or a year ago, there were all those celebrities um, whose Apple accounts were broken into and they were compromising pictures of them. So, you know, you want to make sure that you find a reliable service. Um, there are many of them out there, and usually you can store you know, gigabyte upon gigabyte of uh, data on your cloud account, and um, that ought to be pretty good for um, storing photographs, I would say. So is this something that, Michael, you want relatives in far-flung areas of the country to be able to access? Well, we're talking about that because we're not big fans of Facebook, frankly, but we certainly would like to have some common area where people could view them but not worry about people we don't want to view them have access as well. Okay, so, so I think that would be a slightly nuanced uh, variation on, for instance, Carbonite, where you're backing up everything on your computer. This would be something... For instance, yeah. Uh, so what would you recommend? Well, I think there are uh, plain vanilla, let's say, uh, file storage services that are out there. Um, Dropbox is one, Google has a solution, Microsoft has a solution, and et cetera, where you can store really any kind of file, including photographs, and you can share particular folders of information with the people you choose. Or you might want to choose a service that is specifically related to photographs. Um, there are certainly plenty of uh, photograph sharing services that are out there. And, you know, the nice thing about those two sometimes is that Grandma can go ahead and make a... Uh, a picture or frame picture of the baby if they want to yeah. just by ordering it. So the question then is, are there services, it sounds like these are companies and of course companies go out of business, what then? Mm, great! Yeah, well, it's always a good idea to first of all vet any particular service that you're going to be using, so make sure to do your due diligence, read reviews about it, see what other people have to say about it, get recommendations from friends and others. Um, and But it's also not a bad idea to, say, have a local copy of the photograph stored on your computer. Maybe you're backing that up with a, uh, a, a cloud storage solution, too, so you've got two or three versions of the And that's the always a good rule. Have a have a maybe an external hard drive or something like that that you can take away from your computer location and have it up on the cloud. That's not a bad solution, sure. Redundancy is key if you don't want to lose stuff. Yeah, Michael. Well, good luck. Thanks for the call. Let's go over to uh, Mike in Waterfleet. Mike. Yes, good afternoon. How are you? Good. You're on. Thank you. I have a quick question, and I can hang up, and you can answer it. Um, when you watch television about these cyber crimes and stuff, you get absolutely paranoid. For yep. instance, there's a, there's a show on the other night. Uh, people were on an airplane, and somebody jammed up everybody's phone and downloaded all their bank accounts. And by the time they hit the ground, all their bank accounts were wiped out. And another thing, uh, they were as, as the tech was was trying to get somebody's password. He said, "With this program, I can get any four-digit password in five minutes." Now, is all that stuff true, or is it just television? Hmm. What show was it? Oh, cyber crimes or cyber something. Uh, I forget the two stars in it. But it's about cyber crimes and this, this team of, of experts who go after these cyber criminals. And it's always like, you know, these people can do anything. You know, they could 
ticket, park in front of your house and download your bank account, download your, your credit card numbers, and uh, just go crazy. You know, and it, is it that nuts, or is it just, you know, they just, it's just, just, is that just television? That's a great question. You know, I, I'm sure that any TV show is going to use a little bit of artistic license to describe things. But if you're talking about trying to crack a four-digit password, yeah, that's going to happen within minutes, I suppose, if you have, or, you know, not long if you have a, a really terrific computer. And, you know, increasingly also we're seeing that there are more and more items that are coming online. People are talking now about, I mean, have been for a couple of years probably about what is uh, being known as the Internet of Things. Uh, your car will be coming online. Your thermostat is online. Your appliances are online. Right. And so conceivably there are ways, if it's online, there is conceivably a way to get to it if you're a bad guy. Right. So you want to put protections in place. So you don't want anyone hacking your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You end up all of a sudden with all this milk yeah. that you didn't exactly. want. Exactly. Um, but hey, so... Hey, oh, one, more, one more quick question. Um, I always shut off my internet when I'm not using it. My wife thinks I'm crazy. But I say, no, it's, it's a good way to protect yourself. My... Uh, my Wi-Fi. Is that, is that a good idea or not? So you, you actually turn the power off on your Wi-Fi or just throw your firewall right. up on block everything? No, no, no. I, I just shut my whole computer down. I got everything goes into one bar. I just push the button and everything's dead. I personally don't think that's a bad idea. Because Man. now there is an issue that, uh, you know, over time as you have a device and you turn it on and off, you could experience mechanical failure. Um, but if you're... Uh, device, your network is off, then no one is going to be getting access to it. True enough. Okay. Thanks hey, thank a lot. You, thank you very much. Appreciate it. My course of the problem nowadays is so many devices, and I'm not talking about your refrigerator or, th or your car, but so many devices in the house need online access that the Wi-Fi in most houses is on all the time. It is on all the time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go to Tunnel in Albany. You're on. Hello? Tunnel. Hi. You're on have a question about increasing uh, readership of a blog. Okay. Go ahead. You're on. Well, how do I do that? How do I increase the readership of my blog? I have begun it. It's hosted uh, by Google Blogger, and um, I, whenever I uh, publish anything, any new post, I uh, put, put it on my status on Facebook, but that only gets to family and friends. Uh, the blog is public. Is it interesting? <laughs> well, of course, I think so. <laughs> what's it? What's it about? Oh, it's about a, a variety of things. Uh, years as a teacher, um, you know, some goofy family stuff. Uh, I have a, a, an interesting family, um, and you know, individual kinds of things. Uh, also, some broader outlook, like I'm being happy and what annoys us, things like that. Okay, so you obviously it's a great question. How do you promote your blog? And many people have blogs out there. Many of them are unknown. How do you do it, Cliff? Indeed. Well, there are all sorts of different ways. Uh, you first mentioned going out on Facebook, and that's a really solid way to do it is to... Uh, try to earn a following on various social media platforms. If you, What I would suggest first is thinking about your blog and not trying to think of it as if uh, you were somebody else instead of yourself. Meaning, 
Um, if you think your blog has a particular audience, well, what is that audience thinking about? What do they like to know about? What do they want to read about? And where are they online? So we talk about social media. Maybe your particular audience doesn't participate on Facebook so much, but maybe they're more likely to use Twitter, so you would definitely want to have a presence there. Um, on kind of more mundane or technical side of things, you want to be making sure that your blog is filled with words that are meaningful, um, that it's... Uh, what do you mean? Uh, well, meaningful not only to the reader but also to search engines so that they understand what the blog is about and are more likely to reveal the blog when people conduct searches. Um, you know, the, the caller talks about a, a, their, their family and friends knowing about it, and, you know, by and large, there are two types of audiences for a blog or a website. There are, and this is going to sound incredibly Stay there, silly, but there are the people who know you, and there are the people who don't know you. And really, to grow that readership, you want to reach those people who don't know you, um, and you do that by um, having great content, all different kinds of content, videos, uh, audio, images, text, and you create it also, you know, you want to make sure that the blog is functions uh, smoothly, is good on mobile, um, is logically constructed, easy to navigate, things like that. And, uh, you know, the word of mouth through friends, though, is important, too. Have your friends and family promote it for you, too. Ask them to share. Okay. Those are good ideas. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for the call. 1-800-348-2551 is the telephone number. Cliff Rohde is our guest. Let's go over to Russ in Waterford. Russ. Oh, hello, gentlemen. Um, since you guys were talking about secure passwords <laughs> and giving on a little bit of the older generation here, once I create these new secure passwords, where can I keep them so that in mm. case I get a little bit of, uh, you know, forgetfulness that I can look up my passwords? Is there a safe way to do that? Yeah. I mean, right now I keep them in a book that I keep in my... My desk drawer. And then if somebody heists that, you're done. Yeah, I hear, I'm done. I hear you, man. All right, what do you got, Cliff? Yeah, sure. You can accidentally run it through the wash or something like that. You know, there, there's no solution that is the perfect solution. Having something written by your computer is not necessarily bad as long as you don't think that anybody is going to be near your computer and has the opportunity to get that piece of paper. Um, we talked about redundancy before. Maybe you want to create a file on your computer that... Um, has a, those those lists of passwords. There are also, if you're accustomed to browsing on the internet, there are various uh, what are called either add-ons or extensions or plugins that will enable you to share, a, or I'm sorry, not share, but enable you to save various passwords so that you don't really have to remember any password except the one password that gets you into the program that saves all those yeah. passwords. And, and a lot of these programs will create them for you and they're much better than the, any one that you could come up with yourself because it's so much more random. Well, therein lies the problem because sometimes you'll get a pop-up on your computer that certainly looks legitimate but yet questionable, like, oh, your computer has now been infected, you know, click here. So I'm, I'm a little leery if there's something to suggest a way to, to secure my password that it's actually legitimate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough call. Well, don't let them come to you. Do your research. In other words, there are programs out there that will do just that. But you find you find it and, and make sure it's vetted properly. Oh, oh I understand. In no, other words, other if way. it pops up says, Hey, put your password in, I don't think that I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe Cliff does, I don't know. 
Mm, no, I'm going to be with you on that one. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. okay. No, and in fact, that that type of pop-up is a classic uh, phishing attack, phishing with a PH. Yep. And I don't mean the band. Uh, what they're trying to do is gather sensitive information from you, usually by trying to trick you in some sort of way, like saying, hey, your computer is in trouble. You need to type in your username and password right away so we can fix it for you. Yeah, don't do that. No. Oh, can I ask one more quick question? Now, sure. I don't know if you can answer this because of, you know, your uh, your product endorsement, but do you do you recommend a particular antivirus system? Well, I think you can do that without you're not you're not being paid by them, so go ahead. No, you know, I I would say honestly that there are a variety that are out there. Um, Microsoft has a nice product. Uh, Avast has a nice one. Um, AVG is another one. There are a bunch that are out there. And there's a there's a free one that. Most of the computer experts that we have on this program swear by, especially in last-ditch efforts where everything else has failed, it's malwarebytes.org. Oh, yeah. That, I, I actually have that on my computer. A friend of mine who's a pretty computer savvy installed that, and it is. It's it's invaluable yep. because I get these TUP warnings, and, and this thing clears everything up. Yeah, yeah that so. is a good service. Actually, the ones that I mentioned also are free. There are a lot of good free ones out yeah, there. Yeah, true enough. Okay, thank you very much. Hey, Russ, thanks a lot for the call. Let's go to Cheryl and Troy. Cheryl, you're on with Cliff Rohde. Well, I think uh, the fellow just before me uh, asked basically what I was wondering, but um, I guess just extending a little further, the the um, online services that will store, sometimes create and store passwords for you, um, I mean, is there a danger of um, them going out of business or... You know, how, what kinds of things are you looking for if you're judging them? The types of things that I look, at, look for are how long has the company been in business? Um, how serious are they? Do I know anyone else who has used this? If I go find uh, reviews online, are there, um, you know, is it widely regarded as a, a valuable product? Um, you know, those are all the types of things that tend to make you feel comfortable or not with a, with a company. Now, I will say with those types of programs that where you're actually saving your password information, they don't actually have access to your passwords um, because the information is encrypted. Um, but as a consequence of your using the software, you are able to access many, many passwords without having to remember them. So are you talking about, Cheryl, um, saving your password in the cloud so you can use it anywhere? No, not so much that. But uh, the question the fellow was asking about how you remember these yeah. multitude of passwords. And... Um, you know, if you if you're doing a different password for every site, yeah. it would begin to be beyond my ability to remember. I use and a pro a program that I paid for. It's on my computer, and I save them on my computer. And I don't really want to give the the product name, but there are several out there that are very well regarded. And it basically it'll generate it for me. It'll save it for me. It'll save all the information I need, and it's encrypted. And I can just drag the password into the website, never seeing it. And it, it's it's really cool. And um, if you email me, voxpopwamc.org, I'll tell you what it is. But I don't want to say it over the air. Cheryl, we got to take a break here. Cliff Rohde is our guest. The number to call is 1-800-348-2551. We'll be back. Support for WAMC comes from Honest Weight Food Co-op in Albany, New York, hosting a public strategic event 
honestwait.coop slash community events for details. The Ashokan Center, presenting Ukefest in concert with Joel Eckhaus, Heidi Swedberg, Marcy Markser, Ruth Unger, Paul Hemmings, and Gerald Ross, Saturday, May 23rd at 8 p.m., ashokanCenter.org. Neptune's Harvest, organic fertilizers from nutrient-rich ingredients, including fish, seaweed, and crab shell from the North Atlantic Ocean. Available in bulk for farms and retail sizes for home gardening, neptunesharvest.com. Stone Soup Concrete, specializing in handcrafted and environmentally sound concrete countertops, sinks, furniture, and floors, serving the Northeast since 2001. StoneSoupConcrete.com and on Facebook. The Lake George Land Conservancy, Bolton Landing, New York, presenting its third annual Lake George Hikeathon, July 5th. Choose from 12 sites around Lake George. Register online at lakegeorgehikeathon.org. And Fort Hill Auto Body, Amherst, Massachusetts, locally owned and operated since 1997, providing auto body repair, detailing, painting, and glass replacement, a proud supporter of public radio, forthillautobody.com. Vox Pop on WAMC. We talk computing and security and internet and blogging and you name it with Cliff Rohde of Goat Cloud Communication. The number to call is 1-800-348-2551. Charles in Albany. Charles, you're on. Oh, yes. Hi. Thanks. Uh, I have a comment, and I guess I'm not supposed to mention brand names. Oh, you can. You're, to... not, you're not being... Are you, are you being paid? No, 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 no. You can go right ahead. I, I, I was a, a, a question after that. Uh, the couple of callers ago who called about uh, producing all kinds of family photos and so forth, uh, my wife has become quite the expert in Shutterfly uh, booklets. Okay. And it's just something that uh, uh, makes it very nice. You can put them all together in any number of pages you want and make copies for family members and so forth. I mean, it's just a different alternative than sending stuff back and forth in the uh, uh, over the Internet. They just, they're keepsake uh, kinds of things and just something I, I would throw out to, to consider. Hmm. Um, the uh, reason for my call is uh, on the uh, protection side of uh, uh, being invaded and so forth. Um, I'm just curious. I have about three different um, uh, malware uh, protective device or uh, software programs and so forth. Uh, my question really deals with... Uh, conflicts among them. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing I might be carrying more than I need, but do they actually interfere with each other? I love that. that. I love that question, Charles. That is one that has gone through my mind for 15 years. Go ahead, Cliff. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. They absolutely can confuse each other. I would go with one um, okay. antivirus program and have that always operating on your machine. Now, that Ray okay. just mentioned a little bit ago, Malware Bytes, uh, which is a great software program, but you don't have to have that on all the time. You just kind of run that, you know, with some frequency, and then that'll see if it, you know, your antivirus program missed anything. That's exactly what I do. So, in other words, it's not running a, a continuous scan. I think I think where you get in the, into the problems, Charles, is when they're both scanning real time all the time, and it can be. Well, it, yeah, there's one in particular that tells me every day that I need to scan, and so I try to do it. Um, when nobody else is going to need to access the computer because the scan seems to run, you know, for a much longer period of time than I would want it to. Hmm. And yet I've just done it the previous day. So, I mean, it just, <laughs> um, it just a little confusing. So this malwarebytes.com uh, is... Dot uh, org. Uh, or dot org, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
um, is probably, um, in your um, opinion, uh, a, as good a source as any. Well, as far as the, the, the computer experts who have been on this show, almost to a person, they all say, oh, yeah, well, if, if there's a problem and we're not catching it on our antivirus, we'll, we'll run this, and a lot of times it will find. And I believe it also offers a function, and Cliff, you can correct me if I'm wrong, where you can run it out of a boot. So in other words, if your operating system is in trouble, you can run it pre-operating system. I think that's right. It'll try to catch problems, and if it does identify a problem, then it'll go and correct the problem prior to the boot of the sequence of the computer. Yeah, and I would okay. say, you know, with the scanning, you don't have to, you know, the technology, or the, the, there's a lot of jargon, unfortunately. Um, a scan is something maybe I would recommend Eh, once a week, even. Oh, okay. um, but what happens is the antivirus is working, nevertheless, in the background. That's right. Yeah. And right. it'll catch things if they try to get on your machine. It's not a scan right then. It's a real-time sort of continuous protection, and that's what exactly. I was re referring to. So if you have two or three of those going at once, then you got a problem, and there can be right. false positives and all kinds of crazy stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, very good. I I will um, take that advice and and go from there and see uh, what I can uh, do to get what I really need. Thanks, Charles. Okay. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yep. Okay, let's go over to uh, Abraham in Enfield, Connecticut. Hello, you're on. Uh, hello. I have uh, about two areas to, to discuss uh, uh, about security. Uh, I'm uh, talking about uh, battery-operated devices like GPS systems and uh, mobile phones. Uh, and earlier we said if you turn off the device and your screen goes dark, you can get privacy. You can't be tracked. Uh, they, your conversation can't be listened to. But my question is, uh, do, when you do that, does these devices stop radiating to satellites and antenna? Uh, and, uh, really, is off really off? Right. Fair question. Well, you know, there is a, there's a technology which you may have heard of called ARFID, um, radio frequency identification, I think it is. Um, but that's what, for example, a... a um, I almost said a last pass, the uh, easy pass uses, right? So there's a, an antenna in that uh, easy pass device that does not require any kind of charge to be able to be read by some type of um, uh, receiver. So, and many phones actually do have uh, RFID in them that allow communication. But, you know, if you're worried about, uh, I think generally speaking, if you're worried about being tracked and with GPS and things of that nature, if you have the phone off, um, <clears throat> it, it's, I don't want to say it's completely impossible because of uh, that, that other technology, but generally speaking, you're not going to be being tracked via GPS or, you know, another way that uh, phones will identify your location is via uh, your Wi-Fi signal. And so if that's off as well as a consequence of the battery being pulled or the device being off, um, then you're you're yeah. relatively safe from being tracked. And another thing, Abraham, I mean, if you really think that your device may still be radiating, you could always get a probably rent a spectrum analyzer and put the antenna next to your phone, and it'll tell you if there are any radio frequencies coming off that thing. A spectrum analyzer, you just can uh, uh, go uh, find out where you can get one through the Internet. Yeah, well, they're not cheap, so I, I don't know if you want to go and... You know, just for a one-time thing. But anyway, thanks a lot for the call. Let's go over to uh, David and Chatham. David. Uh, hi. I have a comment on the gentleman who asked about storing passwords. Uh, there's a system that I've been using for many, many years, so long I don't remember if it was free or I paid for it, called RoboForm. 
and it will store all your passwords. And when you uh, access a website that looks for login credentials, it will automatically give you the option of filling them, filling them in directly. So you don't have to do anything, and it remembers it all. And you can even encrypt the file. So, and I've never had any problem with that whatsoever. Cliff, what uh, say you? I yeah. use it on a uh, PC. I haven't tried it on, on any sort of um, iPhone device. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know many people who use RoboForm uh, with, with the same kinds of results. That's one of the options that's out there. Uh, okay, and another question, I don't know if it's, it's quite relevant to what you're talking about, is I've been getting random blue screens. Oh, boy. Um, I, I've run malware, a couple of malware things. I have Norton antivirus that's been running for years and years, and I can't pin it down to anything. I'm using a Fujitsu laptop, which is about four and a half years old, mm. and it's just in the last few months, just kind of randomly, pops up. Uh, I don't seem to be using any large amounts of memory or CPU. Um, and then when I reboot, um, everything seems normal. I've tried to access those um, dump files, but they're not particularly helpful, so I don't know if you have any ideas or suggestions. Okay, well, you can go ahead, Cliff, but I mean, we'll, we'll do another technical show soon when Tony Yang from Gig Computing comes back, but Go ahead. Great. Well, I, I, I hope Tony would agree with this. Um, one is, you know, make sure that you're using the most common version of the operating, or the most current version of the operating system, whatever that might be. Um, two is that there are many, is this a Windows machine? Yeah, so it's a okay. Windows and upgraded the BIOS. Okay. Ah, is that when they started, the, the blue screens? No, no, no. It's not. No, predated that by okay. quite some time. Okay. Well, also, there are a variety of Windows uh, registry cleaners that are out there. It's a good idea to every so often clean your registry um, because you can get errors as a consequence of that. Um, you, you're running malware, antibytes. I don't particularly like the antiviral software you're using. You might try another one um, uh, just to see if that works better. It's an older machine, too. Are can you write down the code that appears on the blue screen? You'll learn yeah, an awful yeah. lot by writing that down. Yeah, yeah, I've got that. Um, and, and I've Googled it, and it, it, it's, nobody seems to have a definitive answer to it. Okay, now I, I had a computer, oh gosh, 10 or 12 years ago, and it was new. It was built for me by somebody. And it gave me blue screens all the time, and I wrote down the codes, and I searched, and I found all sorts of stuff. The guy who built it put the wrong kind of RAM in. And so I ended up giving that. I said, look, I've had it. I gave it to my brother. And so two days later, he said, oh, yeah, wrong RAM. Fifteen bucks, it's fixed. <laughs> really made me happy. So it could be something very simple, David. Uh, yeah, I'll try the registry cleaner. I've, I've sort of held off on doing that because that's just a, that's a major step. But if you think that should be something I would do, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. I'll back up. I'll do a restore point. Yeah. I'll have a go at it. Definitely save oh. the old registry before you do that, though. Yeah, yeah I think it ought to registry clean. The CC cleaner, I think, uh, automatically does that. Okay, cool. Hey, th- thanks a lot for the call. Let's go over to Dan in Woodstock. Dan, you're on. How are you today? Good. Okay, my question is, uh, with technology moving as quick as, as it is, um, a lot of desktops and, and even laptops become obsolete very quickly. So I find that I want to upgrade, you know, within two to three years, I want to upgrade to another computer. My question is, if I want to donate my old computer because there's nothing wrong with it, but I want to donate it, but I don't want my information left because I do my banking, everything, all my personal information is on my hard drive. 
is there a real way to actually wipe out your hard drive mm. so that I can donate my computer instead of throwing it in the garbage? Love it. Go ahead, Cliff. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, a law of diminishing returns here. You can certainly reformat a hard drive, um, and there are different types of reformatting that you can do. Some are better than others to really wipe that disk clean. Um, if you're still concerned about it, um, you know, the chances of, this is where I say, you know, you have to think about, well, who is really going to get their hands on this thing, and are they going to care? Is the information I have on it so sensitive? But I will tell you that there have been times when I've had a computer, say it was an old uh, work computer, where instead of donating, I take a drill and go right through that hard drive because I don't want anyone wow. to ever access it. Wow. So Yeah, because, I mean, with with banking information on there, I, I, I would like to donate it, you know, to to Goodwill or any of those places. But then again, you don't know who's going to have that computer and what kind of uh, you know person is, is going to pick that up. True. Most people probably do not have the capability to go get data off a hard drive that has been completely reformatted, would be my guess. But again, you're right. Could, is it conceivable? Maybe. Um, hmm. But just, you know, I would do a little bit more research on, uh, you know, an absolutely clean reformat and see if that makes it to your comfort level. Excellent. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Thanks a lot for the call. Beth in Montgomery. Beth, you're on. I'm going to piggyback on that. When you donate your cell phone, how do you clear it up of all that information, too, that you have? You have personal information on your cell phone. Great questions today. That's a good one, Beth. Yeah, you know, normally there is a uh, a setting or an ability on your phone to do a factory reset. Um, and so you would want to go ahead and do that factory reset. Now, you do run into this potential issue, though, too, is is there still nevertheless recoverable information um, on that drive? Um, you know, it's not a spinning hard drive like there are on desktop computers, but um, nevertheless, there is, uh, you know, there was data storage. There is data storage on that phone. Um, I don't know how clean that is. I would do some additional research on that one, too. But first off, though, I would do that factory reset because that's going to wipe it as clean as you can without doing anything more anyway. Mm. Right, because I have an iPhone now, and, I don't, and it's also a computer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. They are, yeah. We keep our lives right on there. Yes, we do, so hold on to it tightly, Beth. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Over to Mike in Middletown. Mike, you're on. Hi, how are you? I uh, actually have a question about the Dropbox program, okay. uh, Dropbox. And uh, basically, I use Dropbox, but uh, the problem is that uh, I have an iPad, for example, that is not connected online. Um, it's connected to Wi-Fi. Uh, so when I'm home, I'm able to use it and connect into all computer services and so on. Well, the problem is I store documents on the Dropbox. I open them up. As I'm home, everything is clear. I go out into the public where Wi-Fi is not accessible on that iPad. And for some reason, the Dropbox does not seem to open certain files at times. Is there an alternative to storage of documents similar to Dropbox? Uh, there are certainly alternatives that are out there. Um, Google has a service. Microsoft has a service. Uh, there's one called Box. Uh, so that's Dropbox without the drop. Yeah. Um, and But I think your issue is related to your connectivity. And perhaps 
with the syncing that's going on between the Dropbox on your iPad and the uh, Dropbox, say, on your computer. You want to make sure that um, the service has synchronized so that any file that is uh, that you created over here is now going to be over there. Um, yes, and we, it certainly has. Okay. And, we, and I double-checked that. All right. Well, and we talked at one point, too, about uh, a little bit earlier in the show about maybe getting a very secure connection if you do want to go out in public. There are ways to have a secure connection and be online out in public and be able to access uh, those Dropbox files. I'm, I'm, I can't think of a reason right now why, say, being online at home would affect what you're able to see on the Dropbox as compared to being online elsewhere. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to look around and see if I can find an alternative to that. I'm even willing to pay for one, but I just need for those documents to be there when I've already opened them up. I've already established on my computer, my phone, and my iPad. Could that be just an issue of the computer being too slow or the the laptop? I mean, you know, it could be. It it just depends on maybe how the synchronization is happening. Sometimes you, I have found that I have inadvertently turned off a service, yeah. and I go to go get the file, and I'm, I'm expecting it to be there, and it's not there. Um, okay. All right. Well, good luck, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for the call. I guess that's where we'll, we'll, we will leave it. What is your uh, website address, Cliff? It is goat, as in the animal, cloud.com. All right, goatcloud.com. Well, that was a fun show. Fast. It was. It was very quickly today. Great questions. Yep, and we are just about out of time. Thanks to everybody who called in today. Uh, sorry if you didn't make it through. We appreciate everybody's call and everybody's great question. Support comes from Lori Stillwell, CPA PC, providing tax and accounting services for businesses and their owners in Saratoga Springs and beyond. StillwellCPA.com. Harold's Ice Cream, Thorns Marketplace, downtown Northampton, Massachusetts. Over 300 flavors of handcrafted dairy and dairy-free ice creams, cakes, hot fudge, and more. Harold's.com. And Ashfield Stone, Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. Quarry and fabrication used for enduring landscapes and interiors, including countertops and floor planking. Rare and wonderful native stone of the Berkshires, ashfieldstone.com. All right, that's it for Vox Pop today. Thanks again to Cliff Rohde of uh, Goat Cloud Communication for joining us. Thanks to Zach Malloy, who's always in the clouds over there at the controls. Thanks to Colleen O'Connell for answering the phones. Jessica Blaustein-Marshall is our producer. I'm Ray Graff. Tomorrow, oh boy, speaking of up in the clouds, Rich Guthrie is back tomorrow. It's the Bird Show. Stay tuned now for a news update.